Hello, and welcome to This Changes Everything. This podcast explores an approach to education that redefines the very purpose of schools to train students to become responsible and self-directed learners and to prepare them to live fulfilling and productive lives in these rapidly changing times. My name is Larry Jeannie, and in this episode, we're going to be exploring differentiated learning. This is one of the fundamental strategies used in student-directed learning, and it's based on the premise that students take different amounts of time to learn the same material, and therefore they shouldn't all be doing the same thing at the same time. Of course, there are plenty of things that happen in a classroom where it makes sense for all the students to be doing the same thing together. But if we are going to respond to the individual needs of students and provide the level of challenge that they each need, there has to be time set aside for them to spread out and do different things. Unlike many traditional classrooms where teachers make decisions what the whole class is going to be doing, if we are going to have students become self-directed learners, they have to make some of those decisions for themselves. And that raises the question of how they will be motivated if they're not being told what to do. I recently talked with Gordon Booker, who's a chemistry teacher at Niles North High School, about this very question. And we spent some time exploring the tricky question of how to help students find the internal motivation to learn. Here then is that conversation. What, what's the topic? Um, getting my students to really use their open work time um, and maximize that open work time. Just staying motivated, focused. Um, I noticed that I'm about half and half with some of them um, using it really well and another half of them kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Not not doing as much work during class Mm -hmm. turns into homework and then and do they do the homework if it turns into homework? No. Not so much. Not no. so much. So we try to do as much as we can during class. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. you know, it doesn't get done outside, and then it just doesn't get done. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, at that point, I have, like right now I have about six or seven, seven, eight kids in each of my classes failing simply because we've had only two, four assignments, and a lot of them haven't done two of those. So it's yeah. not nothing crazy, but with the little lack of assignments, yeah. if yeah, they, yeah. they continue this trend... And that's not going to even change. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let's let's talk about what's driving this. It, it's a lack of motivation to do the work. Yeah, I, I kind of like um, what we talked about first semester, which is really trying to get them to buy into not just chemistry, but becoming while we're in here. Let's use our time to become better people and yeah. learn as much as we as much as we can. So I keep on coming back to that. Is what we're doing um, helping us reach this goal? Of, yeah. Yeah. Learning as much as we can and becoming more productive people, yeah. um, more successful just in life. Right. And you know, I use that a lot. Some of them have heard it, you know, so many times already. And I it's, think it's starting to lose its touch. Yes. Yeah. Do you think they agree with you? I mean, is this your vision of what should be happening, or do you think it's a collective vision of what should be happening? I think some of I think there's a, a group of students that that see that and get it and then mm-hmm. are, are working. There's a group that sees it and hears it, but isn't. They're not they're, on they're board one hundred percent. Yeah, they, they know yeah. what's right, but they're still okay. Well, you know, whatever. And then there's also another set of students that probably it's just going either right through them yeah. or it's yeah. just not even like they don't they don't care. So this isn't yeah. So this isn't. Uh, big part of their their belief structure yeah it's your belief structure yeah and some of them share that with you 
Um, <clears throat> well, repeating what you believe probably isn't, it's, you know, it, it, the people who buy it already probably don't need that reinforcement, mm -hmm. and the people who are not buying it, you know, you got a triage situation here, and the people who are definitely not buying it are not going to be sold at this point by you reminding them that this is what, what we're about. So, um, and it can start to feel like nagging. It totally feels like nagging. Yeah. Some. I actually so, had a, a talk with some of my students, um, this is just last week, because uh -huh. um, phones, I've, I've been more, um, I've, I've had to get just more, like, just, I've just been taking them away a lot more, because last week I, you know, I go into this whole, you know, our phones are, um, they're counterproductive to, you know, our goal in the class, which is us trying to be productive and become better, we're, yeah. we're missing out on yeah. just building relationships with the people that are directly yeah. around us. Yeah. The phone's not going to go anywhere. You're going to have that for the rest of your life. These people, like us, like, this is the only time that right. we're together. Like, let's maximize that. Right. I had one girl um, and two two girls, one in two different classes, say, Mr. Booker, um, you've given us this talk before. Like, we've heard this. <laughs> like, why, like, why do you keep on telling us this? Yeah. And I said, did it's you guys hear that? It's still true. Did you guys hear that? This is why we're having that talk, because I have to keep on doing it like yeah. that's the problem here yeah. not the talk but yeah. that I'm giving it over and over and after that I started just I said we're going to have a new policy you know you're right it's not fair that I'm, I'm continuing this talk if I see a phone I'm just going to end up I'm just going to take it because before it was it depends if they're using it for a calculator or their own research I was yeah. I was in the gray area and yeah. then that wasn't they just need more if structure yeah if, if it is if it's a useful tool that lends itself that contributes to learning then you consider it. But probably most of the time, that's not why they're using their phone. Right. And in fact, you might want to distinguish between t periods of time during the class where an outside resource that they can access through their phone might be of use, and the rest of the time where it's not, the, that's not the case. If you're introducing new material, there's no good reason for them to use their phone. If they are t going over homework together, almost certainly there's no reason why they would get on their phone and so maybe the policy is there will be windows of time where that might be appropriate and the rest of the time not mm -hmm. it's all based on whether it can contribute to learning or not Cool, because that's why we're here and if it's not going to contribute to learning you can't it, that's that takes away from learning and you don't have the right to do that yeah for yourself or the people around you yeah, I think so. I, so that that speech, you only have to do once, maybe, and then you act on it. So you, maybe you need to announce now. It's this is for the next stretch while I'm talking. There's no good reason to have a phone out. You don't want to be in that position all the time, but maybe you you can find some way to express to them. Now would be okay. I think I already have an idea just based on what you just said. I can, I mean, I don't know why I didn't do this earlier, but because uh, I do want them to use their phone at, at certain points, but even just yeah. having like a sign, you know, front and back, phone with a check mark or a smiley face, smiley yeah. face emoji, good time, yeah. backside, no phones. Like, you just have that right on the board. Just like, all right. That's, no I was now. thinking some kind of dial, you know, yes, no, or something. That yeah. would be a good time. So yeah. I haven't done that, but that's super simple. Yeah, and that would be simple. Maybe having a conversation with them, asking them when they think it's appropriate. Let's assume that you don't have the right to interfere with your own learning or somebody else's. Given that rule, when's an okay time to have a phone out and when's not? 
let's establish our own guidelines. Give them a voice in that. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to be browbeating them with your rule. Yeah, our rule. Yeah, it's our rule. And you might even put it, you know, on a poster, on, a, on the board or something. Phone use. The, the new phone use rule. As designed by us. Yeah. And then you can have the flip card. Mm-hmm. This looks like the time where it's okay, it's appropriate, and this isn't. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, keeping your mind on that with everything else you're doing may not be so easy. It's not too, I mean, but, better you know, than what I have right now. Whenever, yeah, be, better than you know, nagging them. Okay, so back to the motivation thing yeah. and using open work time effectively. Um, I found that one of the reasons why uh, kids will uh, misuse their time or blow off the time is that they don't have a specific goal. They're not good with time management, and so unless there's something specific that forces their attention to getting this thing done now, um, you know, that's uh, some other time I will do this or Mm. not, you know. so one, I mean, then you constrain the amount of freedom. They have too much freedom, Yeah. in other words. So you can constrain that freedom by saying, here's the amount of time we have to work on this, and then we'll do something else, rather than having a longer time that is even more you know, driftable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other is to have very specific goals at the end of that time very specific thing that you're going to turn in or you're responsible for uh, the group coming up with something or you know something that really needs to be accomplished that you're going that I'm going to collect or there's a ticket to leave on the way out or there's some other indication that you did this and now understand that so maybe they're supposed to do some work but if it's open work time they could be working on different things that's that's the catch yeah yeah um, I think I mean you like what you said. I, I don't think I have enough checkpoints, or at least like exit, like not exit slips, but like you said, like a, at the end of the period, like you have to, get, whether it's one of the problems they should have done or a new problem that's similar, yeah, just something to hold them accountable for yeah. that time. During open work time, how open is it? How uh, how many choices will they typically usually have? between um, like two or three, three or four different ones? Usually we like we'll do we'll kind of all do one of the assignments together and then depending on like how they do on that there's usually one other assignment that okay if you want one of these practice you can do this if you feel good from that first worksheet we'll then do one of the essential questions or inquiring further yeah so it's usually about 20 <clears throat> minutes or so of them um getting to choose how they use right. that time so, so this is more like a mini contract where there's, there's a checkup and then they do this this or that yeah based on that but those are all doable within the, the time frame that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Great. Then, um, or at least it's close, and what what they don't finish, a lot can finish. But depending on just the yeah. speed and skill of students. So they might. one thing one thing you can do is stamp their work if it's substantially done by the end of the period. So the last two minutes, you're walking around, stamp, 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 stamp. Yeah. And if there's no stamp, then when they evaluate it, it's not as useful because they didn't use their time well. Mm-hmm. And essentially what the stamp means in this case is you've used this open work time well. Yeah. And, you're, and there's a reward for that. It means you have practiced staying focused. 
Another uh, possible scenario, so, so that's one thing. If there's something that they can turn in, have them turn it in and give it right back to them. Not for a grade, just so you can see what they've done. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, and can then give them a stamp or not a stamp. Mm-hmm. Substantially done. It doesn't have to be complete, yeah, but it has to be evidence that you actually were working right. during, this, <laughs> during this open work time. Um, the other thing, I think, is to focus on the, the importance of being able to stay focused. That, I mean, this, this, you have to be careful not to make this nagging, but I think talking about, for instance, there's a lot of research now that's, that's saying that the, the attention span of people because of smartphones mm-hmm. is shrinking. And um, one of the symptoms is that when you look at media, like movies, the length of time of cuts is shrinking steadily. On TV, it's sad. shrinking dramatically because people who are creating video, are creating film or TV, know that the attention span of their viewers is not as long as it used to be. So, so that's, and is that a good thing? Well, not if you have to do something that requires sustained attention. Right. So the, the art, the skill of sustained attention is worth having and practicing because everything they're doing is detracting from that skill, is, is causing it to atrophy. Yeah. That conversation and then saying the stamp is, were you able to do sustained attention? Were you able to focus for 15 minutes straight? That's a skill that's worth having. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to do it, but you want to know that you're able to do it mm-hmm. because any job worth having, you're going to need that skill. Yeah. So we're going to practice that in, in, in here. And I give you a stamp that is part of why... So you might have one stamp for substantially completing work. You might have a different stamp that means I've done the work to be ready to have a conversation with my study group and have maybe have them be different stamps mm-hmm. or different parts of the page or yeah. you know the upper left hand means you did it you did open work time well and the upper right hand corner means you're ready to talk with your group um, having two stamps on the page would be even better than right. one you know it might motivate them more so does do these sound like plausible? Oh no, yeah, scenarios? completely. I, I actually started stamping um, a little bit. Well, I've always stamped here and there, but kind of like what you said, I started stamping reading guides because they just needed more um, not motivation, but um, something to get them to stay focused. Yeah, you know, to actually really use their time productively. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I like the, the more ideas about um, whether it's substantially complete, and then another stamp for okay, I can actually talk about this. It's not just that I, right. I did it, but like I feel for, good about the material. For instance, did you do, are you doing the uh, right-hand column that says, here's how well I understood it? Like for notes and yeah. notes and stuff? Yeah. Um, we switch you know. off and on. It depends on the section. Uh-huh. More rarely, I want to start getting more into that. I've heard a couple of just our reading strategies from some of my other coworkers that like, uh-huh. allow me to do more of that. Yeah. Just before when I was um, doing it, there was just a lot of, I think it was almost like you said, too much flexibility, um, which is an important skill for them to be able to. Yeah, but take too much, too much freedom is. Yeah, they just didn't. It was just some were writing down everything, some were writing down nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard to get them 
to all be at the same, like to have a similar, you know, no well, pitch. I'm not even sure that being similar is as much the issue as that it is that, for instance, if they're taking notes, that those notes serve a functional purpose. So, for instance, my guideline was when I when students were doing reading notes was that it should contain the main idea section by section. I, I don't know how well your book lays this out, where there's a section mm-hmm. and there's a big idea. You know, often in bold yeah, <laughs> at the right. head of thing. Um, but then, what are some you know two or three supporting ideas from that maybe. idea? Gotcha. That my criterion for successful notes was: if you can go back to this in two weeks when you're getting ready to take a test, or in three months when you're ready to take a semester exam, it'll make sense to you that you'll get the important ideas out of what you read, that you've expressed that, it has to be in your own words, because if you're just copying stuff over, that doesn't require much brain power. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't require you to figure out how to articulate it in your own way, yeah. which means you have to process it. Your notes should be how you would explain it to your mom, you know, so that you're getting the idea across in your own words. But the format of it, and how long it is, and how uh, detailed you dive into it, mm-hmm. that's your business. Yeah. And so some can be fairly concise, and some can go on and on and on. I had, I had students who would write for pages and pages and pages, and I'd, I'd say, you know, I'd have a conversation with them, you're doing a lot of work here, you're spending a lot of time writing, is that useful for you learning? And some of them w- would answer very clearly, I have to do this to really learn it. I've got to write it all out. And then it sinks in. Mm-hmm. If I just get a few notes down, that doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. They should figure that out for themselves. What notes are useful? What notes help me learn? What notes help me review later on, bring it back to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would say if you set the criterion what notes should look like. You're not dictating at all the structure of it. It could be bullets, could be Roman numerals, could be poetry. I mean, it could be anything. That, you know, it could be any. Some kids like to sketch, some yeah, don't. Yeah. You know, it, it could, it, they can. Fi- the more they figure that out for themselves, the better. Right. You know. Cool. So I don't know. It's. Um, this is already giving me um, a couple ideas. I've, I already had an idea for like a literature um, circle. So it's like different like giving them different roles like within groups that I haven't tried yet mm-hmm. so I was going to do that I can mm-hmm. kind of see how this can kind of play a, another factor in to it. review something they read just, just as they're reading so like as they're reading putting them in groups of um, three or four and then assigning you know one person has to do a graphic organizer of the section one person has to summarize it one person has to come up with discussion questions um, from that section mm-hmm. I just learned this in one of my the grad classes I'm taking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so Giving them roles during the reading, which I haven't really tried yet. I've been really so they're reading it together in class, yeah, and doing different things with it, and then sharing that with each other. Right. Wow, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, I think it's, they called it literature circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, try it and see how it works, and ask them how it's working. Mm-hmm. Cool. When you've done it a couple of times, say, "Let's critique how well this strategy works. Should we keep doing it? Does it does it help you? Are you learning more this way?" Cool. Or is it busy work? Mm-hmm. If you open that up and you make it clear that you're really honestly asking, 
did this turn out to be busy work for you? Because then we don't want to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Is there some way we can improve it? I don't know. Let them come up with ideas? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, well. Yeah, thank so, you. Yeah, we covered some ground here. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> Thanks to Gordon Booker for joining me in this conversation. I'd also like to thank you for listening. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can go to iTunes and search for This Changes Everything. And while you're there, uh, please consider reviewing it so you can help spread the word. You can contact me directly at larrygenie at gmail.com. That's L-A-R-R-Y-G-E-N-I at gmail.com. You can also go directly to my website, which is www.geniconsulting.org, and read about these topics in depth. I've written two books on the subject, and they are freely available at that website, along with a host of uh, resources for teachers. In the next podcast, I'll be talking with another teacher about the perennial issue of students who cheat, how to deal with it in a way that it becomes a learning experience and a growth experience rather than a simply a punitive one. I hope you'll join me. Thanks.